Well, praise the Lord. The Lord's Prayer came up. Well, one thing that I'm really grateful for is that all of you know the Bible decree. Amen? You should by now. This has been a crazy morning. God's doing some great things, isn't he? I'm telling you, I like crazy. My life's crazy. In Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians 5 verse 1, that has been our, our text and premise to this whole series. I'm building better relationships and, and having friendships. It says this. In Ephesians 5, it says this. Be therefore followers of God as dear children. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. Having the image of God, experiencing the image of Christ, knowing who he is in our life. And so this is part two of finding and forming relationships. And I will tell you, it's always difficult for me to, to always preach messages on uh, when I have to do a, a continual. Because it was all hyped up for 20 pages of notes last week when we got through six, right? But I believe that God has something significant for all of us today in regard to friendships. Friendships are hard. You know, and I I was really convicted when I was up here and we were singing a friend of God because I truly want to engage and connect with God. And today I'll be highlighting in the message, you too. When you're talking to somebody, do you talk to somebody and think, what is your next response going to be because you're not really listening to what they're saying? In order to be a child of the Most High God and to be a follower of God and to exemplify that image in Christ, then we've got to do what? We've got to understand his thought process. We've got to walk in the ways of the Lord. So Christianity means what? Christ's likeness. So if we live our life out for Christ, then it's more like his likeness. So we live a life that's more like him and less like us. And I find it interesting that in prayer time when we go to God, We'll bring our petition before him and we'll bring our, our, uh, our prayer request to him. Does he look at us and say, I don't have time for you right now. Really, I'm too busy because I'm hearing other requests. No, he hears what we have to say. Our petitions are brought before him. And so he really wants to engage in conversation with you. He wants to have that deep relationship. And then he, I really do believe that God looks at us and says, you too, I understand. I've been there once too. And you're my friend. Having a friendship and really engaging in that friendship is intentionality and really working hard at at practicing your friendship with that person. Letting go of your selfish pride and letting God come in and take over where I think our will and our pride wants us to to have full control over it. So here it says in the, the scriptures... God gives grace to the humble and he resists the proud. But when we're engaging in relationships and friendships, and I know that it says we can we can find a friend, but it's forming that relationship that is deeper and better in our life and in our walk with Christ. So we all go to church, right? This can be a religious experience for you and you can walk out and go, that was special. Wow. Cool. You know, it's awesome. 
What a great day we had today. Or you can walk out and say, God, thank you for speaking to me today. Thank you for ministering to me today. Thank you. God, you heard what I said. Lord, you knew as soon as I walked in that sanctuary, I was praying. I was praising. You know my heart. You know how I feel. Thanks for being my friend. There's no greater experience than really and truly having that deep relationship with Jesus Christ. We know the proverb says, to have friends, you must show yourself. To have friends, you must show yourself. It's a thought, isn't it? I teach in counseling to a lot of couples and people. Stop, listen, think, react. Stop, listen to what somebody's saying, think about it, and then react. And if you can do that, you're building that relationship. You're connecting on the basis, and you're forming that relationship. Are you following me? You're forming a deeper relationship. In my prayer time, there's times I just sit, and I'm very quiet. I even woke up this morning, and I said, God, please forgive me that, wow, that sometimes I have nothing to say. I know I can bring my petition before him, but I have nothing to say. And I felt at one point like, I'm just going to sit here. But I didn't want to get up. I didn't want to get up from my knees because I felt like, you know, God, we need to talk. We need to, we need to just, and he said, Todd, I don't know that we need to really talk right now. Let's just be quiet. And it felt in the very end of my quiet time. I don't know why I got up feeling guilty, but I did. But I felt this in my spirit. You too. Really? You too. Interesting. I've gone through those same feelings and same emotions as well. I'm glad I have a friend in God. And I'm glad that I've been able to form a deeper bond and relationship with Jesus Christ. I said last night during the the worship service in honor of Russ, I said he left a void. You know why? Because he was hugging people. Because he was touching people's lives. He was making an impact. He left an imprint in people. We should be missed on every level, right? That's what it should be for all of us when we step outside the will of God. We should have a friend and a good, good father who loves us. The Bible says, what is the depth, the width, the height of God's love? He loves us. And in our imperfections, he perfects us. That's how good our God is. And I'm up here to tell you, I know because I live it. I deal with the same adversity, problems, struggles that everybody else does. Let me tell you something. Satan isn't a respecter of persons. But he wants to take your preacher out. And if he can take leadership out, then everything is lost. My goal is to form a better relationship with Christ so my walk becomes better, not bitter. And when you step outside of God's will, we end up becoming bitter. So today... Let's be encouraged to start forming better relationships, serving one another, living for one another. My good friends were here last night and uh, the Sons of God, they're a motorcycle club. It's a Christian motorcycle club. And they were here last night because Russ has done stuff with them. And, and so they were here. And one of the chaplains and one of the ministry leaders is Matt. He's a friend of mine. And uh, I know 
And you were kind of shocked when we turned around. Hey, what's up, brother? You know, <laughs> you know each other. I mean, are you trying to tell me that I don't look like a biker? Come on now. I know. I don't. And uh, so, but I love what they do. But, you know, here's what they did. This is what I love about Matt. And as a, as a ministry leader, watch this. At the end of the night, somebody walked up to me and they said, Hey, Pastor, do you know who cleaned up the fellowship hall? And I said, Who? They said, Everybody from the motorcycle club. They went in there and took all the tables and chairs outside. Isn't that awesome? Here's what's happening. We're forming better relationships. We can, we can say, oh, you're my friend. I can look at Joanne and go, Joanne, you're my friend. But at what depth is our friendship? What have we done to form that? And let me tell you something. I can look in this congregation and I can see each and every one of you. And I know the struggles you've gone through. It might be a story that I heard for three minutes. It might have been 30 seconds, but I've prayed for you. And I understand how struggles are real. But who can you go to? We need to learn that in forming relationships that we can go to a Heavenly Father that hears us. And that's why we call Him Father. So in the Lord's prayers you saw come up, it said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That appeal came in and He was talking about His holiness. And this wasn't part of today's message, but I'm making it right now. Because God had a greater plan. But it didn't say God. It said our Father. So as he was teaching the disciples, he was forming that bond. Do you get it? Listen to this spoken word real quick about friendships. All you had to offer was friendship. Like who would still be around? Real situations expose fake people, so sometimes it takes getting down on life to find who's really down. You see, people pretend well when their souls are for sale. And sometimes it's the ones you love the most that mostly want to see you fail. That's real. Just because they riding with you doesn't mean they riding for you. That's facts. You see, loyalty shouldn't depend on your presence. It's more about how they act behind your back. Who can you trust? I mean, some of us are fighting for people that wouldn't throw a punch for us, and yet, these are the ones we call friends. You know, the ones that care so much about your struggle, but yet so silent when you win. The ones that bring gossip to you about you, but your name, they never defend. Understand, everybody in your boat might not be rowing, but drilling holes. And as time goes and that jealousy grows, pay attention, because that's when true motives get exposed. Everybody in your circle might not be in your corner. Support doesn't always come from familiar faces. So don't be surprised if God places strangers in your life to take you to higher places. Don't be surprised if your growth makes your circle smaller. But you got two choices. Let it break you or let it make you. Make your dream even larger. Make your vision seek farther. There's more to your path than where you're currently at. And I think life will teach you this. Sometimes the best way to add to your life is not to add to it, but to subtract. Understand, it's not about the size of your circle. It's about the loyalty that sent it. You see, nothing can stop a squad that's dedicated to fighting for the same mission, focused on the same vision. Does your circle got that type of commitment? Are they happy for you when you win it? Or is it the more you do better, the more their love gets distant? The more their support goes missing? Listen, real friends don't hate on each other. What they do is they push each other to go get it. In your life, do you got those type of friendships? Because mindsets are very contagious. And I promise you this. Whoever you consistently surround your life around will surely persuade it. Wake up 
Everybody's prayers for you ain't to make it. So do they really got love for you? Or do they just fake it? Do they really got love for you? Or do they just love to use you? To some you just an opportunity, yeah. That's how these fake friends will do you. They present what you want just to take what they need. And when they can no longer benefit from your life, well, that's when their loyalty leaves. So I'm going to ask you this question again. If all you had to offer was friendship, who would you still be able to call your friend? Interesting, isn't it? I thought that was a message inside of a message. Amen. And it was talking about circles, something that we went over last week, and I'm going to highlight it. So if you'll bring the circle up, if you would, please, on uh, finding and forming friendships. As we move forward, I just want to kind of show you the, the, the circle of influence here and the circle of friends, something a little different than, uh, than what we've done. But I, I kind of wanted to highlight this for you so we can, we can go back into it. So we talked about the public crowd. You know, the encounters that we have. So our influence is with friendships is in the in the crowd. All right. Right. So we're all here to get today. Right. But Jesus knew the importance of reaching who the five thousand. So he fed the five thousand. So he understood that, yes, ministry and presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to the multitudes. And then in the next one, you'll notice. So he went from public crowds to a group of 70, the social community. And so we have our social community. That's our church community, the people that we we connect with on that level. And then we went right down to the next level after the social community. We noticed that there was a private partnership. This is the priority. That's where we put people in our circle of influence. Right. So as you can see, people are all about status quo. They're all about all kinds of things. And we noticed that Jesus in his model, he chose who for that private partnership the 12 disciples so he chose the 12 disciples and he knew and that's what we're going to get into today he understood what it was like to be amongst people that weren't holy like he was and we'll start to identify with that that listen we have an obligation and a responsibility to give the gospel to every creature every person every soul amen we have a great responsibility in the workplace in the drive-through, in our families. Isn't it hard to reach our families? Why? Because you see, those were people that were put in your life that you did not form. They were there. So your friendships are people that are in your life that you invest into and form those kind of relationships. Makes sense. So I watched Jesus model as I was doing this, and my thought was this. Twelve disciples from 12 different backgrounds. Listen, I know that people will say to me when they start cussing like a truck driver. Sorry, preacher. Sorry, preacher. Oh, and then it's, it's always funny. We get to talk and then that, that's after they've used every, every word, every word. And sometimes I'm like, you know, I'm like, Todd, just be cool. Just be cool. And uh, and I would never say anything to them because my job is to to shed light on their life. Not any better than them. I'm a sinner saved by God's grace. But it's funny. They're like, so as we're forming a relationship, so what do you do? And then I tell them, they're like, did I just say that? Sorry about that. But you know what made me think about this? It's real because Jesus chose some disciples that were fishermen. Has anybody ever been around a pirate? Our mighty. Think about it. Have you been around somebody that was uh, 
a fisherman or somebody that I'm telling you, they can they can cuss with the best of them. They can tell you how they feel. But you know what? I think this is where we have to be careful. We have to put a line, you know, a very fine, thin line, understand where our place is, but understand what our message is and what we're really trying to develop and try to help people become better in their walk with Christ. And then I love this because the last circle, so we had the private partnership was, and the priority of life was when you look at this, you're looking at the infinite companionship. That's where companionship comes in with trust, understanding trust. Peter, James, and John. Here are guys, even Judas, even Judas understood this, and I will be getting this in the message, but we have some friendships here that were in the personal circle. Watch this. Hey, buddy. Yes, Jesus. You know what you're going to do? What am I going to do? Well, you know, I know we're here in the upper room and, you know, life is good and life is grand and we're eating, we're feasting right now. But hey, I, there's something I need to tell you. Yeah. What is that? Well, I, I need to let you know something. You're going to deny me in front of your friends. Never, not. It isn't going to happen. It can't happen. What are you talking about? You are going to deny me three times, not just once, but three. Think about this. Let me ask you a question. How many times do you deny Jesus Christ on a daily basis? Have you picked up the cross of Christ and followed him? And yet here was Peter, walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, prayed with Jesus, saw miracles. They were together. That, that unit, that friendship, they were all together, working together, forming that relationship. And Jesus looks at him and says, you're going to deny me. And he's like, no way. That can't happen. Well, we're buddies. Wouldn't it be kind of scary when you think you're already starting to form a narrative and you're lying straight to Jesus' face? And, you're th- and let's be real here. That's the Son of God. He's reading your mind. Now, that'll put you on checkmate. Tell the truth. Interesting, isn't it? So a deeper relationship was formed there, yet we know what Peter did. Peter, after he denied him, not once, twice, three times, he then continued to do the gospel, and in the scriptures it says he was like a rock. Peter was a rock. He was a boulder. He was somebody that understood what friendship was about and forming that relationship. It's amazing. And yet, in that same storyline, there was Judas who sold Jesus out. Sold him out. We don't understand sometimes. To what depth of love we really love Jesus. How are you forming that relationship with him? Today we're going to go through a few points of understanding. Who are we? What are we? How do we form and bond those relationships? And then we'll move forward and conclude this morning. Father God, we love you. We thank you for this word. God, I need your help today. Help me to stay focused on you. Hide me behind the cross. Put me in the shadows. Lord, teach all of us something about how we should form deeper bonds and relationships and love people in a deeper way. God, help us to understand what it's like to to listen, to be sacrificial, and to be selfless. God, thank you for all that you've done and all you're going to do. Bless today's message. In your name we pray. Amen. 
So here's the question. Jesus was about forming relationships, a relational capacity. And you saw it in the circle of influence and friends and how that works out. And we all have that, right? I would say probably for myself in the workforce as well as in the church, we have those private circles and the public circles and those intimate circles. But who is the person that's inside that circle that makes a difference? So how can we learn to form and find the right type of friendships. We embrace dependency. Point number one, embrace dependency. The first thing that we can learn from Jesus is to embrace it. That may seem strange at first because when we think of Jesus, we may think of one who needed no one. Think about this. Who transcended all natural desires to be loved. But if we look, we some times or some ways might think quite differently. In Christ, God left all of the sovereignty that ruled heaven to show his love. And he was joined into human nature with all the same natural human needs that we have. Went through the same feelings that we've had. It began with being conceived within the vulnerability of a teenage girl. We'll do well to ponder that Jesus' first friend was his mother. And no doubt his father, Joseph, as well. His human existence depended on them. And Joseph appears to have died at really a relatively young, young age. Somewhere after Jesus has likely turned 13 and deemed a young man in Jewish culture. And his ministry, which began at the age of 30. So we can imagine several years of dependence on this woman as Jesus started to grow. So he had to embrace that dependency. When Jesus takes on the world and the cosmic claim over it, he doesn't emerge like the mysterious Clint Eastwood gunslinger who rides into the town, saves the day, and then rides back to his loner life. He comes to earth rooted in his human dependency, where all formation of relationships begin. When God came to show divine love amidst a wounded world, he didn't avoid such dependency. He embraced it as part of what love involves. And, he, and we can see this as we study his life. He sought the joys of friendship, companions to travel with, share meals with, share life with. When faced with sorrow and fear, he sought the comfort of his friends. And Jesus even wept at the tomb of Lazarus. He understood that friendship that he had. He dared to rely on others. And some of us, in most painful times, become failures. And we don't do what we should. He depended on the provisions and companionship of others. I believe that embracing the care and provision of others was actually part of his love for others. Jesus could embrace dependency because this is happening. Isn't Satan something? Do I have to start preaching on spiritual warfare right now? Because did you guys notice something? This mic is cutting in and out. It's never done that before. What was my, what was my cordless mic doing that was here? I'm just going to throw this in here. It was doing the same thing. So let me teach you a little lesson. Satan doesn't want the message of building a deeper relationship and forming a relationship with Christ. So let me teach you a little bit about uh, binding Satan in the name of Jesus Christ. He says, whatsoever shall be bound on earth shall be bound in heaven. 
Whatsoever shall be loosed on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So binding means this, that we bind Satan in the name of Jesus Christ from interfering with the influence of this mic. Because the gospel isn't going out here. It's also going to Africa. And I get, I get messages from people in Africa that hear the message. So in the name of Jesus, I command it to stop. Guess what? We have several other mics in here. And if I have to, I will set this mic down. When the process, we ordered a new one for me up here, but I, I was like, oh, don't you even think about it, Satan. Get behind me, for thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and only him shalt thou serve. He was, he was uh, here's a message too. Jesus was in the wilderness. And when Satan came to him to tempt him, that's what he said, get behind me. So get behind us. We have something to say today, amen. God has something for all of us. There we go. I'm going to keep preaching. And if I have to, I'll set it down and you'll hear me start yelling. Jesus could embrace dependency because when based on healthy needs, it was never understood as a weakness or a flaw, but as something beautiful. See, dependency can be beautiful. Some of us need to take that in. We may think that some type of super independence is the imagine of strength. We may accept that we may need others in some unfortunate ways, but in fact, it's a beautiful part of the bonds. Watch. I suppose we fear the need because we fear rejection. Fragileness, but we do well to look at the infancy of Jesus that God has no fear telling us about. And see that infant completely dependent on a teenage girl and a guy. We need to look at the significance of friendships he found strength in. And maybe that is where we start. By embracing our dependency. Not as a weakness, but as what it means to be human. Our love of privacy has made us the loneliest people on earth. Our love of privacy has made us the loneliest people on earth. Point number two, bless the best in others. If you've read the Gospels, you've heard of Jesus spoken to the lives of those who came to him, seeing more than they could see about their own potential. And when he called his disciples, he spoke of their potential. He was an optimist. He also spoke the strongest of challenges. He blessed the strengths and potential that was truly there. We'll focus on how Jesus saw people next week, but because it is foundational to how we love and relate to others, it's important to catch that he came to bless, not to judge. We want to form connections with others. We should dare to ask ourselves, why should others form connections with us? Why should others form connections with us? Do we appreciate and build them up or do we tear them down? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, it says this, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. There it is. Comfort one another. Build one another up. Edify one another. Encourage. Hey, I love this. So I was going through Arby's or McDonald's one day, and um, I loved that. This young lady, she was so kind. And, you know, as I gave her, you know, the money we paid for, it's $5.11 and all that kind of stuff, whatever it was. I'm a little bit off. Uh, at drive throughs right now, it's uh, $22.72 for your burger and fries. What has happened? 
they, you don't want the, I'm, I'm doing it again. Here's my advertise. They have raised prices on materials and our French fries. Come on, man. Let it go. Just bless people, right? Anyhow, so we're, we're, I'm going through the drive-thru. My first thought was this. Wow, you know, what a nice young lady. I heard her, you know, please pull around, sir. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Pleasure. And get this, it wasn't Chick-fil-A. Just thought at all, you know. I mean, we know how they are there. They're very friendly. I always said we need to build new hope on the Chick-fil-A motto, right? It's my pleasure. Welcome to church. Hey, take my seat. I'll sit on the floor. You know, I mean, that's, I mean, that's the, the theory of Chick-fil-A. And by the way, how is it, I'm doing it again, how is it they can get our food correct every time? Have they ever messed up your order? They haven't. Oh, my daughter said because it's the Lord's food. It's manna from heaven. That's exactly what it is. I loved as we were going through, and the young lady, I said, well, God bless you. And she looked at me, and her teeth nice and white, and she said, thank you. I'll receive it. Think about that. I love that. I thought, wow, that is cool. Bless the best in others. Don't judge them. Pull it out. Form that relationship. Jesus saw that. See, here's what he saw in Peter. He saw his potential. He saw his potential. And we understand that the scripture is prophetic. And, you know, Peter was a part of the story of Christ going to, well, Jesus going to the cross to die for our sins. That's reality. But Christ saw the potential in a man. Do you know he sees that in you as well? You just have to accept it. I know all of us think we have the best hair, the best look, the best body, the best everything. Okay. I just thought I'd say that. But reality is when we're hard on ourselves because we live in a society that feels so inadequate and insecure. All of us. And I, I can tell you this, that in the 12 disciples, they probably felt the same way. And this is where I feel like I make this applicable to me. Why would he choose me? Why would he ever choose a man like me to pastor? And he said, well, Todd, I saw your potential, but here's what he saw more than anything, a willing, surrendered vessel. And that's really what God wants in all of us. He wants us surrendered. He wants us willing. You know, I'll tell you this. You know, we've got the general contractors. For some of you that are over there, John's over there. And if you've never met John Lang, he's a phenomenal individual. I love him. I love this guy. I told him, I said, we're going to be friends forever. And I mean this because we're forming that relationship. He doesn't even know he's, he's part of this message today. I didn't know he was going to be either, but it's neat that Rich is here as well. And they work together and they pick on each other and beat each other up. And they've been longtime friends as well. And uh, even though, you know, Rich will say things like me this, when I walk in and he said it to me this morning, aren't you glad you, you're seeing me right now? Are you blessed to have me part of your life? And I told him that I'm really, really blessed. I am. Now sit down. I didn't tell him that. And, uh, you know, but I know he's joking and I know he has a heart for the Lord and we talk about the Lord and we're building and forming those relationships. But John has such a heart. And at the end of the message, I'm going to show you a picture of a man that really touched my life that John introduced me to. And he made made a difference in my life. And I'll share that with you. But John, one thing I love about him I'm like, well, you know, we're, we're talking, we're walking through the house. And I'm like, well, we could do this. Well, we've taken down this. Y'all wouldn't even believe it. You're not allowed to look either. We have demolished that house. 
just letting you know. It's been over 30 years. A lot of things needed done and, re, you know, changed out. And so uh, I said, you know, it would be really cool to put a pocket door. Okay. You know, it would be really cool. We could do this. Okay. You know what we could do? We could. That'd be, okay. I said, but I can add it to your bill. Oh, no, don't worry about it. It's already taken care of. Do you know that man has not asked me one time? Can I add this to your invoice? Now, let me ask you something. I need to bless that man. We have a responsibility to bless a guy who says, don't you worry about it. Isn't that his personality? He's a good-hearted man, and it's not about the money. He knows his place. And I looked at the guys. I said, you know where we're at right now? They said, where? I said, you're standing on holy ground. This is holy ground we're standing on. God gave us this property. He gave us the house. He gave us everything. And, you know, what we've done is we're building relationships. I love watching the guys do work. I'm not a contractor. I'm, I'm not a carpenter. You don't want me to be either. I'm telling you that right now. That, that would take me about seven years to get done because, you know, the first time that I ever did quarter round with a steak knife to get that angle properly. Hey, when you're 22 years old and you do what you got to do, right? So be thankful for all your tools that you have. I had to take a steak knife. Is that true? My wife, I just figured I'd just divulge it in front of everybody because you might as well. But here's the thing that I learned from him. In 1 Thessalonians 5.11, we encourage one another and we identify those gifts and people. And we let them do what God has called them to do. And I love that every day I get to write him and tell him, and I do, thank you for being a part of my life. Thanks for being my friend. I'm honored that he's my friend. And I'm humbled that God brought this man into my life to do what he's doing, to make a difference for our Savior. Number three, don't look for the successful, but rather the personally responsive. He chose what were ordinary lives by any common social standard. We knew that he prayed all night before he called his disciples. However, we can note that it doesn't say before he chose them as if he prayed to receive a list. He may have been praying over the process, not simply the selection. He may have developed his choices over time, having watched their lives. And what I find most striking is that Jesus could have sought those who were more educated, more popular, more powerful, and had more money. But he didn't. He wanted to build a relationship and a friendship on people that had a heart for him. Isn't that cool? That's what's so cool about this story. I love it. And I put this in here, and I'm going to say it again. We will do well to share Jesus' eyes. Think about that. Because it's how he saw people. What we will find is that the relationships that may serve our deeper calling may be those which serve no social benefit. Don't look for the successful, but rather the personally responsive. And I'm going to go through this quickly. Maintain alignment with your God-given purpose and calling. People need the Lord. We know the song. You heard it last week. Every day they pass me by. Understand that we need to maintain alignment with your God-given purpose. What is your purpose? Understand that we have a job. And we have a commitment. And every circle of influence, rather crowds or private or just the community, is so important. If you want to grow in what life in the kingdom of Jesus means, 
We need those who can cultivate that calling with us. Here in Proverbs 27, 17 says this. Iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Isn't it difficult when your friend has to tell you something you don't like? You ain't my friend. My friend understands me. Yeah, I understand you probably better than anybody else. That's why I'm your friend. Did you want to look at him and go, and you ought to be lucky I'm your friend. But iron sharpens iron. And what we realize is that it, it says it sharpens the countenance of his friend. It takes it from the heavy to the light. And Jesus knew that as he was walking on this earth developing great friendships. I love building better relationships. That's how we built the church. Building relationships. You know why? God doesn't just miraculously bring you to a place. Do you know you're here for a purpose and a reason? You're here today for a purpose. Because God has something for you. And you have to embrace that. It's not just poof, and there you were. No, he wants to see you better. He wants to see you grow deeper in love with him. Number six says, care enough to contend. And I will go through this. It's probably the most dynamic and valuable qualities to see in how Jesus engaged in others. And I will go through that in a couple weeks. But I want you to know that I'm going to move here full speed ahead. Number seven, expect disappointment. Expect disappointment as part of the process. And I find it very Interesting and yet fascinating to consider how Jesus related to being disappointed. We tend to think of Judas. Watch this. As one, and you heard me say this earlier, as one of the Hmong among the 12 disciples who betrayed Jesus. But if we take a step back, they all betrayed Jesus in some sort of way. Peter, right after claiming to be loyal to the death, denied even knowing him and all of the disappointment and all of the disappointment that came along the way in that relationship. But what we actually see, now watch this, is that Jesus was prepared for being disappointed. Jesus was prepared for being disappointed. He knew Peter's claim to royalty was mixed with a pride that would deny him. He knew Peter's claim to loyalty was mixed with a pride that would deny him. He would call Peter out and provide an opportunity to restore the relationship and it says in Proverbs 17, 9, here's what it says. Whoever forgives an offense seeks love. He that covers a transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth a matter separates the very friendships, the closest of friends. And in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. And as I wind this message down, the truth is that all failed him. Judas was simply the one whose failure was not restored in this earthly life. But Jesus was faithful to all. He offered the cup of Judas even then. 
Why? Because the world is full of people we can begin connecting with. That the greatest freedom to engage people with comes with letting go of the need for everyone to respond in kind. Or even to like us. Not everybody has to... You have expectations. Let those expectations go. Let them go. I am most kind to others when I don't need everyone to be kind or caring. I told my wife this. There's a lesson that I'm learning. And can I confess my sins right before all of you? And I'm going to be transparent. I love people. And I'm refusing from this day forward. And this was five days ago. As I said this to her, I refuse to let Satan keep a scorecard of what people have done to me. Think about that. Let go and start forming those deep relationships with people. Because I think we have a tendency to do that. We have a checklist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know what you're doing up in there. Mm-hmm. Chick, chick, chick. <laughs> We all know, we're there, right? We, we do it, man. I mean, people do it all the time. I won't forgive you. Guess what? He forgives us. And I'm thankful that he forgives me. A terrible, terrible person that I am. And I'm reminded that in this message, this was for me. Hey, Todd, start forming relationships and stop keeping score. Start loving people. To have friends, you must show yourself I'll have you guys have that down in Proverbs by the very end. So we were over here, and I'll leave you with this story. So we're over here at the, I had popped in, and, you know, I've been in and out quite a bit. And, you know, when you build a relationship, you trust people. So there's John and Rich. They were over there working and doing stuff in the shower and, and uh, putting everything together. And Rich's daughter, Cam, was in there, and she's cutting all this tile, and they're, they're going crazy in the shower. And. I was really impressed and, and proud of this young lady that she's learning from her father and she gets to spend time with, with her dad, bless her Lord. I mean, uh, just kidding. But, but just to be able to use your gift for the Lord. You know, as, we've, we've, as I've gone to the house, I told Becky, she goes, so what got done? I said, not a thing. She goes, not a thing? I said, no, I was there for the last three and a half hours, but we sat in the kitchen and talked. So I said one day, I'm like, Rich is a talker, Todd is a talker, John's a talker. If you're a talker, don't go there because we can talk your ear right off. But what, what are we doing? We're forming relationships. So he said to me, he said, hey, pastor, I need you to do something. I need you to get another dumpster because we have more stuff that needs to go out there. Maybe just get like a 15-yard dumpster. And I'm thinking, ooh, another $380 dollars. If anybody knows me, I really try to be a good steward of God's money. I'm always, I'm just sometimes tight as a whistle. And uh, so I said, okay, let's go ahead and do this. So I ordered it. Later on, I, I got there and I'm like, who's, who's out there? And uh, John goes, oh, that's my friend. He's been with me for years and he picks up all of our scrap. And I mean, he's such a great guy. I go, okay, great. So what do I need to do about the dumpster? He goes, cancel it. I was like, yeah. <laughs> yes. Right. I don't know. I, I don't know what it is. I, I don't know. I don't. That was a lot of money, right, treasurer, uh, just to get a dumpster. But he said to me, and I, I stood inside and I just kind of watched out the window as I looked at this guy. And I was stirred within my spirit. 
immediately. And I said, you know, God, I know the other day I came in here and I did one of these numbers. I walked in the house and I did this. Wow. I'm overwhelmed. I actually went home depressed. And I said, there's so much to be done. And I don't know how to do it. And, you know, when I was praying over, you know, a contractor, and I'm just going to share this, this story with you. When I was praying over a contractor, one of the things that, that I did was I said, God, you know what our budget is, and I can only afford so much money. And I met John, and John came in, and he was right in line with exactly what I had prayed. And so he doesn't even know this, actually, uh, that that was exact number. You know, so I know that he was put in my life for a reason. So here I'm looking out that window and I'm watching this older gentleman in his 60s load up stuff that I couldn't pick up at 51. And I watched him walk around this place like he loved it. Then he came in the house and got some chips and we gave him some coffee. And I love that John says this. He said, John's just taught me a lot. He's, he's such a great person. He just serves people everywhere all the time. He's just an amazing person. And, uh, but he came in and he's like, Pastor, where's the coffee mug? I said, I don't know. These are all dirty. You guys got them all dirty from all the junk in here. He's, so I ran downstairs and I'm washing it out. And he's like, how do you use a Keurig? I said, well, let me get it. So we put the K-cup in there. We made the other John, the guy who was outside, coffee. And so, now, now remember, up to this point, John and I have spent a lot of hours talking. We're, we're forming this relationship. And I'll tell you why I was moved. Because I was moved because now I know the heart of the contractor that's putting his love into our, our parsonage. Now, I'm, I mean this. And so, I did not ask Rich to come today so that I could use him as an example, him and John. I didn't. I know you're enjoying this, though. But I just get and now he's like, oh, brother. Uh, but it just it worked out well. And I, I took a picture. I said, hey, we were in there. And John says, could you do me a favor, Pastor? Could you pray over John? He has a lot of COPD problems. He's got, you know, his lungs are bad. And he's not in good shape. And I said, well, certainly. And uh, this is my new friend, John. And I said, can I get a picture of you? Do not pray for him every day that God will heal him. And this is John. So John came in. He's not a guy who, you know, comes in in a three-piece suit. He's a great guy. You know why I took that picture? Because he's my friend. And I promise you this. I started forming a relationship with him. We were able to gift him with something. And so that's what friendships are about. And, you know, I put my arm around him, and I laid my hands on him, and my son-in-law, Travis, came around the back of me, put his hand on him, and we prayed over John that God would heal him. You see, we're all challenged to be the best we can be for Christ. But where does that extend? Where does it stop? Do we look at people, and do we think some sort of way? Listen, when you're looking at yourself, you're not looking at Christ. When you're looking at others, you're looking at Christ. God brings everybody into our life for a specific reason. So I want you to do something this week. I want to challenge you as a congregation. Find out who is around you. Find out who God placed in your circle. Whether it's in the larger circle, the community circle, or just the intimate circle. And ask God, use me.
Not just use my gift of how I was, but use me. For you teenagers that are in here, ask yourself, what can I do to be better in my influence in the public school system or in college or in the university? Whatever it might be, what is it that I can do to become better for Christ? How can I form those deeper bonds and relationships? Because there's no, nothing greater than having deep friendships with people. And at whatever point that you find a friend, remember, we minister to angels unaware. So understand, as the scripture says, who are you ministering to? Let's rise to our feet. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, that you have a friend in us. Thank you, Father, that you even called Judas and Matthew your friend. And you know he sold you out. And we know that Peter denied you. But God, we thank you that, Lord, there is hope and a Savior who loves us, who is our friend. Father, we thank you that today there's many of us that are in this room that have come across people. Maybe we've... We've looked at the status of that relationship and not that personal deep relationship. Maybe we've not looked at people in the right light. But God, you give us opportunity always to make an impact. And it's not always about status. It's not always about money. It's not always about the material. It's about the eternal. And God, today you came, you died, and you rose the third day to give us the world, the church, our community, our board, a few best friends, and all of us as an individual life in Christ. Father, thank you for the great sacrifice of friendship. Father, help all of us to be better, not bitter, but to be better friends and to to build the relationships that are based upon you. God, thank you for forgiving me, a sinner. Thank you for giving me a guy who's jacked up, but helping me daily to listen and to hear you. Thank you, Father, for guiding me, guiding these people that are here, your children, your church, your community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.